Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon. How are you? Wherever you are, thank you so much for uh, dialing us up in whatever form or fashion that you did. Today, Wednesday, February the 8th, the year 2023, an historic night in hoops, closer and closer to the Super Bowl, closer and closer to a matchup of number one versus number two in women's hoops, and much, much more. My main man, James Mesh, sitting in that illustrious producer's chair, spinning all the tunes, pushing all the right buttons. He's in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're Streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and you're near a television set, you can pop it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines. It was a fadeaway jumper, not the skyhook ode to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or one of his signature powerful dunks. 10.9 seconds left in the third quarter. LeBron James dropped in a field goal to place himself at the top of the scoring mountain that Abdul-Jabbar had stood on for more than 38 years. LeBron's jumper. The fadeaway got him to 38,387 points. He entered the game needing 36 to overtake Jabbar. He finished the night with 38 points on 13 of 20 shooting, four of six from downtown with seven rebounds, three assists, and three steals, mired by the fact that the Oklahoma City Thunder won the game 133 to 130. The scoring record, uh, a triumph in longevity of mind, of spirit, and of body. Just imagine doing what you do for 20 years at that level. Wow. A record that stood for nearly 40 years that many people thought would never be broken. LeBron James, the NBA's all-time scoring leader. Earlier in the night, the New Orleans Pelicans advanced to 29 wins against 27 losses thanks to a 116-107 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Brandon Ingram led the way with 30. C.J. McCollum with 21. All five starters got in double digits. Trey Murphy, 16. Jonas Valanciunas, 16. Herb Jones with 11. After trailing by two after one, The Pels built their lead up to three at the half, a 29-22 third 
quarter advantage got their lead up to double digits and back and forth they went in the fourth the hawks were only able to get it to within nine and the pels took advantage of things and now the pels are in eighth place in the western conference tied with the golden state warriors just a half a game out of Sixth place, the Dallas Mavericks, who play tonight. Kyrie Irving will make his debut in Dallas. Uh, The Pels are one game behind the Phoenix Suns in fifth, and they are one and a half games out of fourth. So winners of three straight. The Pels will get back on the hardwood Friday to take on a very, very good Cleveland Cavaliers team who currently are in the fourth spot in the Eastern Conference with 34 wins and 22 losses. So there you go. Speaking of losses, can the LSU Hoops team finally turn things around? The last nine games in SEC play have featured matchups against the top eight teams in the SEC. Now the Tigers will face the bottom half of the league over the next three weeks, except for Saturday's matchup against Texas A&M. Um, LSU, 12-11 and 11 overall, looks to stay above 500 for the season and trying to get their second win against nine losses in SEC play. They take on Mississippi State at the hump. The Bulldogs are 3-7 and seven in the SEC. Always tough to win on the road. In fact, the Tigers have yet to win on the road at all. Trey Hannibal, um, who came to LSU from Murray State with his coach, Matt McMahon, did not play against Alabama last weekend. DNPCD, that's did not play coach's decision. Uh, Matt McMahon shed some light on that decision, saying it was simply a coach's decision based on practice and game prep. He was terrific in practice Monday. I expect to see him back in the rotation versus Mississippi State. The Bulldogs, good defensive club, second in the conference with 9.6 steals per contest. That's a lot of steals. So LSU can't turn the ball over. And the Tigers are going to have to do a job on the glass if they hope to snap a 10-game losing streak. You can listen to the ball game tonight here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's a late tip. It's an 8 p.m. tip. Uh, Blake Lavelle of at 14 Southeastern will go over SEC hoops. Arkansas wins a big one at Rupp Arena last night, and we'll preview LSU versus Mississippi State. Congrats go to LSU's Alexis Morris and Angel Reese for being named to the Naismith Player of the Year midseason team. We know about uh, Reese, 23 games, 23 double-doubles, averaging 24 points and 16 rebounds a night, uh, but the key to this club has been the play of Morris, <coughs> who's averaging 14 and nearly five assists per game. She scored 15 or more points in four straight games, including that career high last Monday of 32 points in the Tigers' win over Tennessee. All setting up the 1 o'clock showdown on Super Bowl Sunday, the collision in Columbia, they're calling it. Uh, a complete sellout. Tickets are going for upwards of 2000 bucks a pop. We'll talk with Jeremiah Holloway, Holloway at 2.30. Jeremiah Holloway. He uh, covers the Lady Gamecocks 
for the state, which is the newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina. And we'll talk about this uh, this matchup coming up on Sunday. Yes, Derek Carr meeting with the New Orleans Saints. And today, and apparently he is the front runner for the quarterback spot for the Saints. You've got uh, the relationship that Dennis Allen has already had with Derek Carr when he drafted him out of college, when Dennis Allen was the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Now they're in Las Vegas. Um, I don't think a trade has been agreed to between the Saints and the Raiders, but in all likelihood, the two teams have come up with a general agreement on compensation for a hypothetical trade for Carr. Remember, when the Saints get you in town and they roll out that red carpet and they let you taste that food and see some of the the sights and sounds of the city, they very rarely lose you. And Dennis Allen apparently still has a very good relationship with Dennis Carr, so it appears the Saints are the front runner for him. Chris Rosevoglu will join us, uh, and we'll talk about the meeting today and what uh, what he thinks Derek Carr is looking for, what the Saints find uh, appealing about Derek Carr, and with the most important position that they have on the court. And then, of course, Mike Huguenin will join us for Hump Day with Huguenin as we uh, talk all things um, college football, college basketball, and the likes. So the big story of the day, yeah, the Super Bowl is coming up, but LeBron James is the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. And guess what? He's fourth on the list all time in assists. It just talks about his his greatness. Um, and all I can say is uh, a, a player that came into the league with so much pressure and expectations through the roof, I think LeBron James maximized everything. He's been reliable. He's been dependable. He's won four NBA championships. He's won it for three separate teams. Um, It's kind of remarkable, his longevity, how he takes care of his body, how he just keeps – and he's scoring over 30 points a game. (coughs) Absolutely amazing. Amazing. So our guest, Blake Lavelle, will start things off today. We'll talk about SEC basketball, LSU at Mississippi State tonight at 8 o'clock. We'll preview that. We'll talk about the league in general. How many teams does he see going to the field of 68 and uh, the NCAA tournament? And much, much more coming your way. So we'll get started after this first time out of the day. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. That's right. You could score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you're on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's just that simple. And it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 16 minutes after the hour here on a Wednesday, February the 8th. SEC basketball coming down the stretch. LSU is at Mississippi State tonight. Had some big-time games last night. Blake Lavelle, uh, kind enough to join us from at 14 Southeastern and uh, editor for Blue Ribbons Basketball Yearbook, the Bible of uh, college basketball hoopsters. Blake, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey, Jordan, doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, as we look at the SEC landscape, Alabama's still unscathed. They, they'll host Florida tonight, but it sure, sure seems to me that old Eric Musselman's got the hogs from Arkansas heading in the right direction. They go to Kentucky and win 88-73, to 73, outscoring Kentucky by 14 in the second half. Uh, a team that started out the one in five in the league. All of a sudden, now they're six and five, and they, man, they're not an easy out. I don't think. No, I mean this is kind of what they do every year, as, as we know. I mean, it's this has been like clockwork the past three seasons. It feels like they get off to a slow start in SEC play. They turn it around, and you know, the last two seasons they've been the last team standing. You know, getting to the Elite Eight uh, in back-to-back years, so. You know, could they replicate that again this year? I think it's certainly possible um, yeah. because of how they played at Kentucky last night. You know, I, I've said I think that Musk probably doesn't get enough credit for just putting his team in the right position in these kind of games, um, the, the big magnitude games. Like, he seems to always have his guys ready, um, especially this time of year in those. And so I think that's very important, as we know, when you're judged on kind of how you finish the season and your NCAA yeah. tournament success. and. I mean, look, he's, he has the, the body of work to prove that now. So, um, yeah, I mean, no doubt Arkansas is, is playing a lot better now and five straight SEC wins. And, look, there's still the possibility they're, they're going to get their best player back in Nick Smith. And um, if he comes back fully healthy, you're talking about a, a top-five draft pick um, that, that immediately, you know, jolts them into another sort of uh, stratosphere in terms of the possibilities for the rest of the season. And, Honestly, they need him because, you know, they've played well right now, but they're about to enter, um, you know, the toughest stretch of their season just given the, their remaining schedule. So, um, yeah, no doubt they're, they're, they're playing some really good basketball right now. Blake, I keep waiting for the uh, clock to strike midnight on Texas A&M, but they just keep winning. They win against Auburn last night, 83-78. They're not 9-2 and two in the league. Right there in second place, Buzz Williams. He's got to be a candidate for Coach of the Year. Yeah, I said this to, to, to some people the other day, Jordan. I think it's like at this point we have to accept they're not going anywhere because – of a couple reasons. I mean, the first is because they're just playing really well. Like, they're just a team that I think in an SEC this season where you find some teams that I think sometimes don't realize their limitations, I think Texas A&M realizes exactly what it can and can't do, and it really focuses on the things that it does well. And, you know, that's in, I guess, the opposite of, let's say, teams that take too many threes or teams that do something like this that shouldn't be doing that. A&M knows that their success is getting with the free throw line. So they're just going to attack mm-hmm. and keep attacking, and they're going to be physical. And you know what? Some games will that will fall in their favor. Like last night, they go 31-39 from the free throw line. Um, you know, you're not going to get those calls every game properly, but the ones you do, you're, you're going to wind up okay. And 
I just think if you look at how they're playing, they have got, I think, one through five right now. You know, they are really, really good. I mean, you could put their one through five up against everybody. It's as flashy as some of the other, you know, top names and all that. Maybe not, but Tyrese Radford's been fantastic. Julius Marble, I think, has been kind of the X factor for them. He's really come along, um, you know, here down the stretch. And um, you just look at how they play. I mean, they are nine and two in the league. And when you consider that their best, sort of their toughest three games left are all going to come at home: Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama, all in College Station. Like I'd be surprised more more than not if Texas A&M is not one of the top three teams in the SEC come March, because I just think that you know they built up this cushion to be nine and two, three toughest games left, all coming in College Station. They just beat Auburn last night, their fourth toughest game probably, and no. I just think it sets up really nicely for this team. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. A couple of matchups tonight uh, of interest here. It's an 8 o'clock tip. Uh, LSU at Mississippi State. Um, Nobody expected much from LSU, but I think they have – I think people expected a little bit more than this. One and nine in league play. Mississippi State's at three and seven. Anything can happen when we saw Ole Miss win last night. So tell me about Mississippi State. What kind of challenge that presents for LSU? Well, it presents a big challenge for this LSU team because I think when you consider that LSU's, well, one of their weaknesses is that they just don't score consistently enough, right. um, you, you go to start full a place where Mississippi State has taken even some of the best offensive teams and really made it a struggle. I mean, no, look no further than the Missouri game on Saturday where they held Missouri to 52 points. That's a, that's a very dynamic offensive team, as we know. Um, you know, they do beat TCU there, even without TCU having Mike Miles, their best player, which impacts that game a little bit. But Still, if you look at what they did before that, you know, at Alabama, I mean, Mississippi State is right there, the only team that's had a chance to beat Alabama so far in league play. Um, You know, so I think all those things defensively, this is one of the best defensive teams in the country. When they make you play the style they want to play, honestly, like, it's game over. Like, I just think that's how it works now. Like, if if you are playing Mississippi State style of basketball, which is not always going to be pretty because they're not a great offensive team, but they do rebound very well, and I think that helps them on the offensive end. But they're going to miss some shots. Uh, but if they get those second-chance looks, which they're really good at, um, it's just hard to beat this team. And, again, they have a roster, I think, that doesn't get enough credit just because they are a team you know, that started 1-7 and seven in league play. And now they're kind of in an Arkansas mode of having to play catch-up. I just think with LSU, you know, you've seen some other guys step up and produce some scoring. You know, Derek Fountain obviously had a big game, and this is – it's right. going to be a big game for him going back playing his old team. Uh, but I just don't know if there's enough consistent scoring to, to have that confidence in LSU, especially going on the road to win a game like this. Um, because I just think Mississippi State's just not a great matchup when you look at it from that standpoint. And let's be honest, too, this continues, this stretch of games for, for LSU. I put this out on Twitter yesterday, Jordy. I said, I think you can make the argument that this is the toughest 12-game stretch perhaps ever in SEC play that LSU is going through right now because when you look at it, they will have played, by the time they they play A&M on Saturday, they will have played 12 games against teams that are either projected to make the NCAA tournament or among the first four or five teams out of the tournament. There's no other teams in there. No non-NCAA tournament conversation teams are in that 12-game stretch. It is just incredible to see kind of how this schedule fell for them. 
Mm, the Tigers are 0-5 on the road, so they haven't shown they can win away from uh, Pete's Palace, but uh, but we shall see. And like you said, um, you never know who's going to score for you with LSU. It's like it's a different guy. Yep. There's no consistency whatsoever, and they just are a poor shooting team that that I mean that's that's all there is to it 41% from the field 32% from downtown 70% from the free throw they're just not good shooters so yeah and they keep jacking up threes uh Blake I, I just don't <laughs> get it well and that's what we said I think that's what makes a team like Mississippi State which I know people are going to look at Mississippi State and say, well they're three and seven in the league but They've also kind of been in LSU's shoes in that they played a really tough schedule. If not for LSU's schedule, we'd be saying some very similar things yeah. about Mississippi State's schedule. But Mississippi State knows what it's good at. Texas A&M knows what it's good at. Um, you know, it can it has those identifiable strengths, and they lean into those things. Um, but like for a team like LSU, trying to figure out your identity, it feels like this team just beyond knowing you have to have KJ Williams scoring, knowing you have to have Adam Miller scoring. The identity beyond that has been really hard to figure out because, like I said, I think part of that is just they may just not have it on this roster fully. But also a part of that is they've had no break in terms of their schedule for a month now, and and that can kind of beat you down too and really kind of send all that stuff going in the wrong direction. LSU at Mississippi State, 8 o'clock tip. Uh, Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern with us. I know this is not – college basketball but uh, uh you know lebron james breaks the, is the all-time leading scorer in nba history he's fourth uh, all-time on the assist list he's 20 years he's i mean golly your thoughts on lebron james and what he has accomplished in his basketball career with so much expectations coming out of high school and now yeah. to where he is today well, you just said something I think that is talked about, but probably not talked about enough. When, if you really go back to that time and the the expectations that were on him, I think for if for anyone that was there, you know, can remember that time period of the talk surrounding before he even gets to the NBA, like the, all the talk, everything was like this guy is going to be the next Michael Jordan, um, or whatever the conversation was. Right. Think about how much, like you just said, the pressure, like of that. Like how many times have we had those conversations before, like where you have a guy coming out. Oh, this guy is—he's so different, right? Like he's so—he's yeah. going to be the next yeah. big thing. He's going to be the next big thing, and and this just doesn't work out sometimes. Like you knew that he was going to be special, but again, even with all of that pressure, I mean, we're talking how long he's been in the league now, the longevity, all these other things. Um, you can, and this is why I, I, I hate playing the comparison game about was LeBron better, is Jordan better, is Kobe better? Right. How about we just appreciate all of them? Like, can we just appreciate <laughs> that everything that all of these guys have done? They are all legends. They are all historically great basketball players, and I think it's fine just to not always have to have the conversation of who's better because LeBron, you know, it's not fair to him for us to say, well, maybe I would prefer Michael Jordan. Well, that's fine, but. We have to look at the success that, that LeBron has achieved, and it is unprecedented in terms of, like you said, becomes the all-time scoring leader, um, all the other things he's done. Uh, it's just, I mean, wow, what else do you say? I mean, it is, it is something, again, that um, when you go back and think about all the hype and how that can impact someone, knowing they have all this pressure on their shoulders, and yet he's still been able to achieve what he's achieved, um, it's just yeah, it's, it's remarkable. If I had to put it in one word, I would say uh, maximization. 
Here's with all the expectations, yep. he maximized them and, and went even beyond that. And that's as as you said, that is so rare. Uh, it's just uh, it's just kind of amazing. And I don't I don't know if anybody's going to break that record. Look, I mean, Kareem had it for almost forty years. I don't think anybody's born yet that's going to be. Um, surpassing him and who knows how, how many more years is he going to play and how many points is he going to put up there that's the question yeah i mean this is this is a guy that's always been very motivated you know like i think a lot of the top guys are that the guy to be at that level i mean we, we we've all heard the stories of of mj and, and kobe and all those guys and kind of what motivated them and you right. know, just always having that that chip or that edge um, knowing that you're always going to be talked about, you're always going to be, um, you know, in the headlines, whether good or bad. Uh, when you're doing good, you'll be there. When you're doing bad, you'll be there, and then some. Like it's it's that kind of that pressure and just kind of knowing uh, that the spotlight is literally always on, 24 hours a day, for these kind of guys, and still to be able to um, again achieve that kind of success, and once again to put the work in <laughs> to, to achieve that success. And I think sometimes too. That's a conversation. Well, this guy's just got the natural talent. Well, yeah, he has, he's very naturally talented. Let's be honest. Um, we're not all, yeah. you know, built like LeBron, and we're not all, all right. um, gifted enough to be that tall. And, you know, all those other things. But sure. if you really think that this guy has not put in the hours to, to be the greatest scorer of all time now uh, from a statistical standpoint, then, you know, you're kidding yourself because it's just it's so much more than that. And to do it in the NBA, uh, which is such a grind when you really think yep. about it, um, you could say, you know, it was better in this era, that era, but no matter what, an 82-game schedule is such a grind Brutal. when you think about everything Brutal. that comes along with it. Uh, again, it's just a it's a remarkable achievement. Blake, thanks for talking some hoops with me. I greatly appreciate it. Continued success at, at 14 Southeastern and all the tentacles that come from that. So thank you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks, Jordy. You too. Take care. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. We'll talk the big matchup on Sunday. LSU, number two in the coaches poll versus number one, South Carolina, after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets over 60 in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, too, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. The, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and gets you permanent fat reduction. Permanent by the Louisiana Lottery. You can't win until you start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you'll ever taste. By the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. Get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy. And by Cajun Chef. It's crawfish season Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We are back 36 minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, February the 8th. Um, we focus our attention now on 
a great opportunity for women's basketball to showcase themselves coming up this Sunday. First, South Carolina will be playing Thursday night at Auburn. If they do what everyone expects them to do, they will be 24-0, 11-0 in Southeastern Conference play. On Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, LSU 23-0, 11-0 in Southeastern Conference play, will travel to Columbia in a matchup. If you take the coaches poll of number one versus number two, if you take the AP poll, it's number one versus number three, which makes absolutely no sense to me, but hey, that's okay. Joining us now to give a perspective of uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks women's basketball team, uh, we're thrilled to have Jeremiah Holloway on force. He is the South Carolina women's basketball reporter for the state in Columbia. Jeremiah, thank you so much for your time, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, Jordy. Uh Solid day so far, and uh, you know, just kind of knocking some things out. I myself am getting ready for this uh, LSU coverage as well. So, uh, really appreciate you having me on today. Uh, well, it's a sellout, I know, but uh, I'm here, and you can get some tickets. But it, it's going to cost you some money if you want to get in that <laughs> arena. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to cost you a pretty penny for sure. Uh, it's all you know, it's all in the resale market now. Uh, you know, the face value tickets are gone, and some of these resale. Uh, tickets are going for, you know, north of $1,000, a couple of them, uh, but, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be an expensive ticket if you want to, you know, make a last, last ditch effort to, to get in there. Uh, Kim Mulkey calls South Carolina the standard. Dawn Staley's done a remarkable job. What's the feeling in Columbia about this game coming up on Sunday? Man, I'll tell you what, uh, the people down here are really excited for this game. Um, they've been tracking with LSU all season long. Um, you know, any Gamecock fan down here will tell you, you know, they think LSU is good, but they don't think they're on the same level because of obviously, um, you know, the non-conference schedule. And, you know, right. that's kind of been a, a, a talking point, you know, down here. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you South Carolina is a team that won the national championship last year. So they, as a fan base, you know, genuinely feel strong about their team. They returned four or five starters. They returned, um, I believe it was 10 players from their national championship team. So they're really ready to show what they can do against LSU. Um, obviously, Angel Reese is having a outstanding season, you know, individually. Um, but South Carolina has played um, two other top five opponents. You know, they just had the win against UConn. They just they had the number two matchup against Stanford. They won it over time up there. So the vibe down here, I mean, people are incredibly excited for it. Um, most of the big games this season for South Carolina have actually been on the road. Um, you know, so Maryland, Stanford, and, and UConn have been on the road. So they're ready to have, you know, a top three game. They're ready to have the sellout. And uh, they're ready to try and uh, to take their crown or, I guess, to, uh, to try to establish themselves as the number one team this season. I can certainly understand how they feel about that. Um, tell me about how um, Gino Ariema was criticizing publicly uh, how South Carolina plays and how physical they are. And tell me how Don Staley reacted to that. Yeah, uh, so Don Staley went on her calling show yesterday and addressed those comments. And uh, when she was addressing the comments, um, she was saying that she, of course, didn't like um, you know, the narrative that South Carolina, um, I guess, is 
overly physical. And, you know, she even said with her own words that, you know, they do play physical basketball, but she attributes a lot of that to just the style of play in the SEC. And, um, you know, today when she was talking with reporters, she was saying that, you know, South Carolina for years has had to, you know, pivot to other styles of play and, you know, what other teams are doing. And so, um, you know, I think she is at a point where, um, you know, she hears, you know, different things about the team because there were some, uh, you know, in weeks past, um, there were some things said that um, were probably, you know, a bit out of bounds away from basketball. But I think um, from a basketball standpoint, um, in an officiating standpoint, uh, I think her perspective is more, you know, we've been playing this style for a while and, you know, uh, it's going to take, you know, a physical game to kind of beat South Carolina, uh, which is true, but I think it's true in virtue of just the, the size that that team has. I think just naturally um, you have 6'5 Boston, 6'7 Cardoso off the bench. Um, I can go on and on. I think just naturally you will get a physical basketball game because of the size um, and the attention that the uh, the post kind of demands. So, but yeah, you know, uh, she talked about it certainly today when we had a chance to talk to her, and um, she said that she addressed it uh, with the team, and you know, she said that she, uh, you know, it seems that you know, obviously she stands by what she said uh, as far as as far as that. Six five and six seven. The national narrative yeah. is always going to be about Aaliyah Boston and Angel <laughs> Reese, but. I think what makes South Carolina so good is their guard play. Um, talk about the guards, because I think that's where this game gets decided. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, that's a matchup that's really important because, of course, LSU has some very talented guards as well. At South Carolina, you know, it's interesting. Zaya Cook um, is the leading scorer right now. So, you know, of course, Leah Boston, national player of the year, reigning player of the year. But Zaya mm-hmm. Cook right now is leading that team in scoring. She leads the team and made three-pointers. Um, Zaya definitely has a tendency to be a bit streaky. Um, I know there was, you know, a point there um, she was held under, you know, single digits for several games. But, you know, she even – one of the games, she, she pretty much bailed out South Carolina when Aaliyah Boston was being trapped a lot against Georgia. And she poured in 31 points. That was the first time a Gamecock had scored 30 or more points in about five years. Um, so, from a scoring standpoint – if she can get her offense going, it does give that team a very new dimension. Um, and then Raven Johnson, red shirt freshman off the bench, um, has really took control of that point guard role. She runs with the second unit a lot of the time, but she played 36 minutes against UConn um, and you know really took over, had seven assists. She leads the team in assists, actually. Um, and then you have Kira Fletcher, who is a veteran in college basketball. She actually starts the point guard position. Um, and pretty much splits the minutes for Raven Johnson. And, you know, she's a strong defender. She brings a level of experience to the table, um, a level of poise to the table when they need it. Um, so I think South Carolina has, you know, some talented guards um, that can play both ways. Yeah. And, you know, I think that will definitely, like you said, have a, a really big impact on, on the way that this game plays out. And uh, just one more point on that. I will mm-hmm. say South Carolina, at least at the beginning of games, uh, has struggled a little bit against teams with quick guards, you know, because they kind of, you know, get to the rim on you. Um, you know, I know against uh, Mississippi State, that's kind of what happened, even though a lot of that was they were trying to limit Jessica Carter in the post. And then the times they played Kentucky, some of their guards have been able to get off and have some good games. Um, so, yeah, so it would definitely be important for South Carolina to, you know, stay on Flaje Johnson and Alexis Morris um, early on in the game and, and on the other end, you know, be able to, to score some points. 
Uh, Jeremiah Holloway with us. LSU versus South Carolina Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. It's a one o'clock central time tip off. Um, so it'll be over. Then the Super Bowl will get underway a couple of hours later. So it's a it's a great stage. It's a great opportunity for women's basketball to really come even further to the forefront. And I'm not trying to create news, but I just wonder um, the relationship between two alpha females uh, in Kim Multi at LSU, Dawn Staley at South Carolina, and how that relationship is. I got a kind of feeling that um, as competitive as they both are, I don't know if they're going to go and break bread together. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that either. Um, you know, I'm not sure that they even have much of a. Now, I did see the other day that uh, Kim Mulkey, you know, said she had a, you know, respect for Dawn Staley and, and some of the things that she's been able to do. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. So they actually have played. So of course, Dawn Staley and the Gamecocks won in Baton Rouge last season. But when Kim Mulkey was at Baylor, um, Baylor won two out of three meetings. So Baylor. Kim Mulkey is two and two against Dawn, so you know it goes both ways. They're two and two yeah. against each other. Um, obviously, they are two of the most accomplished, decorated coaches yeah. in college football. Um, and yeah, they have the opportunity to kind of you know face off against each other. And um, you know it will be interesting to see you know just how they greet each other. Of course, you know every game there's the you know pregame handshake and things of that nature. So that'll be interesting to. Um, you know, to kind of see, but I think it's just a great uh, opportunity to see not only the talent on the court, but just the way in which it's coached, you know, just the way yeah. in which uh, they try to, because South Carolina and LSU, they're similar teams, honestly, in all honesty, but um, I think yeah. it'll be a great, you know, chess match to see, you know, who pulls out what strategy and, and this and that. So I think that'll certainly be uh, something to follow. Uh, Jeremiah might not be the first time these two teams meet. Uh, they may meet three times. They may meet in the SEC tournament, and who knows? They may meet may meet in the uh, in a Final Four scenario. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility by any chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a game where it could be a preview. You know, like this is it's a big deal that it's happening in Columbia in front of a sold out crowd. Right. Um, of course, but who knows? Like this very well could be. Um, the preview of the SEC tournament championship last season, both teams lost to Kentucky in the tournament. So yeah. um, tough championship game actually to Kentucky. So they didn't get the chance to face off there, but, um, and who knows right now, bracketology has LSU as a number two seed from last that I checked. Um, so, you know, there's obviously that opportunity depending on what region the two teams end up. So who right. knows, like they very much could, you know, play each other, possibly three times um i would be a little bit surprised if they didn't match up in the sec tournament championship um just because of the talent that both teams have now obviously i know there are only two ranked teams in the sec right now but there are teams that will really play you tough um tennessee will really play you tough yeah um yeah. so there are some teams out there that really can you know give either side at least a scare you know but yeah. um i think it i think you know this game being in columbia you know, tremendous opportunity to kind of see that atmosphere. And then if they do, you know, face off again, um, that would be that would be something to behold for sure. It's going gonna, 
going to be a lot of fun. Just just tell Don, don't screw things up on Thursday at Auburn. Take care of that business. <laughs> and we'll have one versus two in the coaches poll, which is it's ridiculous mm-hmm. that LSU's ranked third in the AP. I, th- don't get me started on that. But uh, enjoy your front row seat that you didn't have to pay $2,000 for, Jeremiah <laughs> Holloway of the state. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Thank you. You take care. Um, We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the Game Charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Redbird Ministries. Hit the links at Farm D Alley while supporting a great cause. All proceeds from the tournament will go towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game. None of them can play. They uh, they stink, except for Chuck Wood. He's pretty darn good. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together, we really can make a difference. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back 53 minutes after the hour as we wrap up our number one. Um, still the big story of the night was LeBron James and um, his uh, passing of the captain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, two completely different players, two uh, just the talent level in that sport at that level is just is just ridiculous it's just ridiculous it is you go watch a college basketball game and then you go watch an nba game and it's it's just it's night and day it's just night and day just like watching a high school game and then going to watch a college game it's night and day um and for lebron james to do what he has done that consistently uh you know you talk about uh, the best ability is availability. And throughout his career, until of late, uh, he's always been available. Man, he plays and he plays hard. And you get your money's worth when you watch him play. And that's what I respect the most about LeBron James. Like all the greats before him, you, you get your money's worth. Like Kobe, like Michael, uh, like Carl Malone, uh, Tim, all the greats. You get your money's worth. You pay the money to go watch them play and play at their level, which is a level that very, very, very few are able to obtain and attain. And they give you their money's worth. And that's what uh, that what's that's what makes a pro pro. It just does. Um, we'll talk a lot of uh, football coming up in our number two. Derek Carr in New Orleans, uh, red carpet being rolled out. Um, 
I still believe the Saints have a pretty darn good roster. They just need a quarterback. Now, I'm sure the first question he'll ask is, um, that guy Michael Thomas, is he going to be ready to play? Is he going to be on the team? I think that's a really good question because every quarterback wants to know who he's throwing to and how good they are. And Chris Olave showed an awful lot, right? Showed an awful lot. You saw the emergence of a, um, a guy off the street um, that Rashid that that was pretty good, but Michael Thomas, that's that's a difference maker. That's a difference maker, and so who knows? So we'll talk to uh, Chris Roseverglue about all of that coming up here, and then Michael Huguenin will join us uh, as well in hour number two for another edition of Hump Day with Huguenin. Um, Kyrie Irving makes his debut tonight with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, It'll be very curious to see how that all works. If it does or if it doesn't, we shall see. Um, I, I mean, I'm not betting on it. Are you? They take on the L.A. Clippers. It's a nationally televised game tonight. Uh, we'll see. We shall see. Um, and, of course, LSU's men's basketball team tonight, 8 o'clock tip uh, at Mississippi State. Another tough one. And then Saturday, a very good Texas A&M team comes to town. It's very likely that LSU's losing streak will reach, will reach a dozen. We'll see. All right. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead. As we uh, talk Saints, we talk college football, college basketball. What is Mike Hugan to think of the Nick Saban hires for offensive and defensive coordinator? That subject and much, much more. So stick around. We'll be back. This is the Jordy Helper Show. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go on a, uh, a Wednesday, February the 8th. Uh, rain coming down where I am, soon to be coming down where you are. So if you're out and about, be safe, uh, be careful. And thanks for dialing us up, whether on the radio, 103.7 FM, 104.1 FM, whether streaming, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, or on television, as uh, in the Acadiana area, we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The big story nationally, LeBron James, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history last night as he hit 38 total points and he had 36 to pass the captain Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and he did so so congratulations to LeBron the Pels get a win over the Hawks but everybody in the Crescent City is on the lookout for a guy that wore the number four for the silver and black the Saints need a quarterback and apparently uh, Derek Carr is visiting the Saints today to see what the facilities are all about, what the coaching staff's all about, what the players are all about. So I said, we got to talk to our insider, Chris Roseverglue, to find out what he's hearing about Derek Carr 
and the New Orleans Saints. So, Chris, thank you so much for your time today, buddy. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Jordy. Thank you for having me. So, um, I knew the Saints needed a quarterback. I knew Derek Carr was uh, kind of a quarterback uh, on an island. He didn't have a team, basically. So, it seems like a match made in heaven. You brought up the fact that uh, Dennis Allen drafted him out of college when Allen was the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. So, take me inside this thing. What are you hearing, and um, what are the prospects here? Yeah, from the Saints' perspective, I think this is absolutely the priority right now in terms of quarterbacks they're targeting for a plethora of reasons for starters. You mentioned the familiarity. That's a big aspect. I think schematically he would fit in well in Pete Carmichael's offense and things that they want to do there. Uh, And then for New Orleans, you know, it's not just you upgrade your quarterback position. In terms of assets they'd have to give up if they did make a trade, it wouldn't be to the extent of, you know, you're giving up a first or multiple firsts and you're really mortgaging a lot in that regard. Now you still would have to pay up in terms of financial, uh, you know, regards there, but the draft competition really wouldn't be a huge concern. But I think for now it really is just one of those things where Derek Carr's just going to, you know, take the visit today, explore what's out there, see how he feels about New Orleans. Now, it's already been kind of reported that New Orleans is a place that he wouldn't say no to if, let's say, a trade did work out and that's what they wanted to do. But I think right now for the Saints, this meeting would have to go really, really well for a trade to materialize because I think there's still a lot of assumption in NFL circles that when push comes to shove at the end of the day that Derek Carr will probably end up getting released. But we'll see. If if New Orleans wows him in the visit and they can work out a trade and they can work out a certain number when they rework his deal, things could happen. But there's still a lot of moving parts. But uh, I would say that I'd still give this a very good shot that whether it's release or trade, Derek Carr could end up in New Orleans. Nothing can happen until the start of the new season, right? That's in March? Yeah, so this would basically kind of be what the Rams and the Lions discussed with Matt Stafford, right? That that trade really came into fruition uh, right before the Super Bowl two years ago, and then once the new league year starts, it got finalized. So, yeah, people would have to wait for it to be officially official, but if they agree to something in the next, let's say, three, four days, um, it's as good as done. If I'm Derek Carr, the first thing I ask uh, Dennis Allen, hey, um, I-, I like that rookie you had, Chris Olave, but um, I, I want to know what- what's the status on this on Michael Thomas because I want to I want to <laughs> be able to throw somebody that can catch it that's going to be my go-to guy. What does Dennis, Dennis Allen tell him? Well, that that's fascinating because yesterday, you know, Michael Thomas had some interesting activity on social media. I'll put it this way. You know, he randomly posted a picture of himself in a Saints uniform. Um, then he, he started talking about how he kept receipts about certain things. Now, he kept it all cryptic, didn't really say much. And, you know, when they restructured that deal, it felt like a certainty that he'll be gone. But who knows? Maybe things change. But I think if you're Dennis Allen, you got to be upfront with Derek Carr about that situation. I, I don't think that's something what you lie to because – you still have two receivers in Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed that I think would really elevate their games from playing with Derek Carr, especially if he's got the deep ball working. And at times he did, I think about a couple of years ago, uh, what he was able to do with Henry Ruggs prior to the, you know, the fatal car accident that he was in. So I, I do think that there is optimism there. But for Michael Thomas, got to be straightforward with the guy. But make no mistake about it, the idea of pairing Derek Carr with Michael Thomas and then having Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed as your two and three uh, it, it sounds great. I just don't know how feasible it is. 
What do you think Derek Carr, what, what, what do you think the Raiders would want for him if they had to work out a deal like that? What kind of a, a draft pick would they want, do you think? Well, funny enough, I, you know, if the Raiders, you know, maybe let's say in November, December, had the idea that Derek Carr wasn't going to be their long-term guy, they probably were going to hope to get a first-round pick. But the way that they handled this situation and the, the value of this, I guess, their asset at this point, knowing that they have until February 15th to work it out, it seems like best-case scenario for them would be a third-round pick, which means the Saints would pretty much give up the 70th pick in the draft. And people can argue about whether or not they want to make that trade, but that's, that's the most I would imagine the Saints having to give up for Derek Carr. Now, it could spike up if another team joins the trade sweepstakes, but no one really expects that to happen right now. So it kind of seems like at best third-round pick, maybe a fourth-round pick, and, and if not, maybe the Raiders have to end up losing Derek Carr for nothing. Doesn't it benefit uh, the Saints that Aaron Rodgers is going into a four-day darkness deal where he's going to be incognito for a while? Because everybody's like, maybe the Jets are thinking, we got a chance to get uh, Aaron Rodgers, so we're going to wait. Um, at least the Saints are taking the initiative and getting this thing started, right? Uh, absolutely, and I think the Aaron Rodgers domino that's, that has to fall um, for the Saints, that's why I like that they're being proactive here because you have mm -hmm. two teams that are going to be tied into Aaron Rodgers, and that's going to be Derek Carr's former team in the Raiders, especially because they have Devontae Adams, and they know that they have to get a quarterback for him to kind of keep him happy there in Vegas. And then from the Jets' perspective, you go out and get Nathaniel Hackett. You know you need a new quarterback after the whole Zach Wilson fiasco that unfolded at MetLife this past season. So those two teams are going to be caught up. The commanders came out today. Ron Rivera actually announced that they're not going to be in the market for trading for a quarterback. So you take them out of the Derek Carr sweepstakes. Teams like Carolina, they're fascinating because not only do they need a quarterback in the same division as the Saints, that really makes it a little bit juicy, but there hasn't been much talk there. They might go the draft route for their quarterback. So I think for the Saints, it makes a lot of sense. And for people who might say, well, what if you just wait till he gets cut? If the Saints can work something out where Derek Carr doesn't even have to hit the open market, that's probably the best situation yes. for them because they don't have to get in a bidding war, and they're not really the team right now that should be getting in a bidding war. Yeah, you're not looking for a running back or a wide receiver or a corner. You need a quarterback. You can't fiddle around and take any unnecessary risks. If this is the guy you like and want, go get him. Uh, I'm with you. What do you think of the Saints' um, new defensive coordinator, defensive line coach combination? I think it's fascinating. You know, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, does the defense drastically change? Is this a, a setback for them? Are they going in the wrong direction? I think for starters, before people really jump on that, you know, kind of train of thought, just remember that Dennis Allen's still going to call the defense. And this is about getting guys in there. They're going to help him with that plan for Sundays and, and figure it out. And look, I, I loved what Chris Richard was able to do in New Orleans. I love what Ryan Nielsen was able to do, but Nielsen left for a better opportunity in terms of being able to call the defense. And, with Chris Richard, he wasn't going to be able to call the defense anyway because, like I said, that's still DA's right. job. So you bring in Joe Woods, who, yes, as a defensive coordinator, I, I don't think he's particularly you know outstanding in that regard. But the one thing that he does that no one can deny is his track record with defensive backs is just phenomenal. Yes. And you can look at his time with the Broncos in 2015. That was a championship-caliber defense. You can look at his time in 2019 with the Niners, coaching their DBs, also made the Super Bowl that year. So... The, his track record is good when it comes to coaching that side of the ball. And when you look at the Saints having talent like Lattimore, like Adebo, like Alante Taylor, it, it's nice to bring in a guy like Joe Woods. So I, I don't think that it's, a, it's one of those hires that people are being a little fair with. I see a lot of criticism around it, but 
I do think there is some sense to be made there. As for the rest of the defensive staff with the way the Saints are shaping it out, I, I really have no exceptions right now or issues with it. Honestly, my focus is on what happens if they lose offensive coaches to the Broncos, which could be possible because Sean Payton has his eyes on, I'd say, at least two to three guys from New Orleans right now. Yeah, I'm with you. Chris Rose for glue with us. Um, back back to the quarterback situation. It, if the Saints get people back healthy, and that's what the offseason's all about, and Lattimore's good, and maybe Michael Thomas does come back, and maybe there's a there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. If you get a Derek Carr, I mean, you got to be the prohibitive favorite to win the NFC South, don't you? You'd absolutely have to be. And, and I would go one step further because I see there's a lot of conversation. Well, do you really go all in on the NFC South when it's a bad division and, and call it a day? And I don't think the Saints just view it as that. I think we have to be very honest about the state of the NFC. Eagles, obvious juggernaut, and, and I think they will be next year as well. 49ers, it it seems like they just plug-and-play quarterbacks and they figure out a way to make it happen. So you have to respect what they do. Outside of that, though, what team outside of those two really in the NFC has a A, bright future, or B, you know will be dominant next year? I I just don't really see it outside of those two. So if you're the Saints, you can win the NFC South, you get into the big dance. The only chance you have of making a Super Bowl appearance is getting in the big dance in the first place. So I I do think it would make sense in that regard. I think Derek Carr... In New Orleans, if their defense plays the way they played this past season, you have to consider them the favorites in the division. No Brady's going to be a huge hit to Tampa Bay. Carolina could go with a little bit of a slower rebuild on offense to give Frank Reich some time. And obviously with Atlanta, they got a lot of things to work out as well in their own regard, and who knows what they're going to do at quarterback. So I do think they would be the favorites, and it'd also be one of those situations where I think Saints fans would get a lot of clarity. Either this coaching staff puts it together, makes the playoffs, and you feel a lot better than we do right now. Or if it doesn't work out, okay, time to go get a little bit of a, a rebuild and figure yep. things out. But, but yes, they would definitely yep. be the favorites in the NFC South. I am with you 1,000% on that one. Um, Super Bowl Sunday, Kansas City, Philadelphia. What do you think? You know, for the last, I'd say, week, I was feeling good about what Mahomes can do and, and loving it. But, you know, I keep going back to the Eagles being so well-rounded, and every time I try to say, well, you know, the Chiefs have this, I look at the Eagles and I say, well, they have this. And, and even if I put the two big, the, I say the two biggest gaps the Chiefs have, uh, obviously at quarterback with Mahomes and tight end with Travis Kelsey, it's not like the Eagles, you know, have slouches at those positions. You have Jalen Hurts, you have Dallas Goddard. But really what I like right now for the Eagles, they're just a healthier team. I know they're going through injuries, but their guys are going to fight through them. Kansas City's probably going to be without McCole Harvin. That's going to hurt a little bit. And I think the other part of this aspect is Philly's defensive line. What they've been able to do getting after the quarterback, if they get after Mahomes early and often, kind of make him put pressure on that ankle, uh, that can be tough. And I think for Philly, they're just a more well-rounded team, and that's why I'll probably lean with them. But, look, it wouldn't surprise me if Mahomes has a Herculean effort and the Chiefs win. But right now I'll probably just go with the more complete team, and that's definitely the Eagles. You are the very best. Chris Rose, our glue. I cannot thank you enough. Um, you have your sources out there because we'll find out what the best restaurant in New Orleans is because that's where Derek Carr is eating tonight. Um, no question about it. So uh, I get the feeling when the Saints want somebody and they bring them into the city and they show them the sights, and I'm sure there's a Mardi Gras parade going on somewhere, they might not lose the guy. I mean, he may just stick around and, and uh, boy, that I think, that's, I think that's the ticket. I think that is the answer. I really, really do. So we shall see. But, Chris, thank you, my friend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. 
Thank you. You too, Jordy. All right. Chris Roserglue, outstanding um, at his craft. He really, truly is. All right. We'll take a time out. Michael Huguenin, hump day with Huguenin next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You need help with Valentine's Day? Well, the help you need can be found inside the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takehouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. A $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes to help you with Valentine's Day by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Good afternoon, Michael. How are you, my friend? I'm doing quite well, doing quite well. Awesome. Awesome. Um, we certainly appreciate your time as we do each and every Wednesday. And we cover football. We cover basketball. We we cover life. Um, I was I just thought about this. I was kind of curious. I was going to go down the list of SEC football coaches, and I wanted to test the temperature in the room uh, on them and what the expectations are for them Uh, we're going to take Nick Saban out of the equation because he's always going to be good no matter what people say but I'm curious as to your thoughts on the hires he just made as his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator yeah I think if you had uh Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele on your Alabama coordinator bingo card (laughs) <laughs> um, you're quite rich now because those were two names that, when this whole process started, you did not. I did not see their names at all. I mean, at all. And right. then Reese's name comes up, and you're like, you're hearing, uh, is Alabama insane? Or yeah, there was mostly that. There was also, you know, Reese is better than people think. And, and I'm of the, the the second camp. I think he is better than people think. He's mm-hmm. a. I think he's a good developer of quarterbacks. I think he can take a nondescript talent and make him into a good college quarterback. I think he did that with Ian Book. Ian Book's in the NFL. Yep. He'll be in the Super yep. Bowl as a backup. Uh, last year, the guy he picked to start for him got hurt. And they had to go with a backup, Drew Pine, and they still won eight games. So I think he's a good developer of quarterbacks in terms of the intricacies of the position. I give him an A as a hands-on coach. As a play caller, maybe a B. And as a recruiter, I, I don't think that highly of him as a recruiter. Um, now, obviously, Alabama's got a lot of advantages that Notre Dame does not when it comes to recruiting, so I think that's going to be not a big deal. But the play calling, that's something that I think 
tripped up Bill O'Brien at times. So that's something to watch going forward. But I think whoever the Alabama quarterback is, he's going to be coached well. Um, I, again, I think Reese is a good developer of quarterbacks. Kevin Steele, frankly, is more surprising to me than Reese. I know he has an Alabama connection. He worked there before. Um, he's also 65 years old. I don't think he's bringing anything new to the table. And I, I think, you know, Golding, for all his perceived faults, I think did bring some new ideas into the building. Uh, I'm not sure Kevin Steele's going to do that. And, yes, I know that Nick Saban is a defense-minded guy, but I'm of the opinion that any time you hire a new assistant or a new coordinator, you want new developing, even cutting-edge stuff brought into the building with that new coach. I don't think Steele's going to do that. Uh, Mike Hugenin on 3.com. Sam Pittman seems to be the perfect fit for Arkansas, but um, they've started out good and they finished uh, with the Flames going out year after year. What's the? What do you think the level of expectations are now and what's the pressure level for Sam Pittman at Arkansas? Well, expectations at every SEC school are always higher than they should be. Um, our Arkansas, I I think there's, there's certainly not, you know, if we're going to use an air, let's use an air conditioning analogy. Um, you know, saving the ACs at 70, I think the AC for Pittman's about 75. I think there's a, a little bit of pressure on him to, you know, he's got two new coordinators, uh, both left. Um, one became a head coach and one left for, I, I, I don't know. Um, I think that it, there is some pressure on on Mr. Pittman this year. I think that, again, Arkansas fans always expect a lot more than they should, though I would argue that, you know, his two years ago they surprised everybody. Or three years right. ago they surprised everybody. Two years ago they were good. And then last year they were, I think they underachieved. So I think right. there is a little bit of pressure, a little bit of heat on them. All right. Let's go to uh, University of Auburn. When when Hugh Freeze op- opened up the cupboard, what do you think he found when he saw that what, what he has to deal with? And, and what are the expectations there for year one? Well, expectations Auburn are, are always the most skewed Ridiculous. in the league. Um, yeah. and, and I'm reading now, you know, oh, Hugh Freeze took over a good situation. I, I don't think that's true. Not I don't either. think there's a lot of talent there. They, you know, they certainly they were a bad team last year, and it wasn't just because of Brian Harson. Brian Harson is not a bad coach. Um, they, they did not have a bunch of talent. They are bereft of wide receivers who can make plays. I don't know how good their defensive line is. I think their secondary is adequate at best. And I'm not sure they got a quarterback on the roster who's a true SEC level quarterback. Um, again, there's, obviously there's no heat on Hugh Freeze because I don't think right. people expect right. him to go to win nine or ten games. <laughs> that comes in year two at Auburn. <laughs> um, so he's going to have a honeymoon year for sure, unless he goes like two and ten or three yeah. and nine. I don't think that's happening. But to me, on paper, Auburn's the worst team in the SEC West, and I think their goal should be getting to a bowl game. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's a lot of talent there right now. Uh, Mike Huguenin with us. Um, let's go to Florida. 
year two, Billy Napier. They've had some defections of players here and there. It seems like the waters are really rocky in Gainesville. You live in the state of Florida. What What's the feeling in Gainesville? I'll be honest. I think only one guy who left uh, upset them, and that's Ethan White, the guard who left for USC. Um, They needed roster churn. They got it. Um, I don't think they cared about anybody else that left. In fact, I think they were happy that a couple of those guys left. Um, The quarterback situation is interesting because I think Florida coaches think more highly of Graham Mertz than most everybody else. Uh, And the offensive line is a gigantic concern as well. They did get Micah Makuza, the transfer from Baylor, who I think is going to be a potential all-SEC guy in 2024 and be really good in 2023. I think the receiving core, because of a couple freshmen, is going to be fine. I think the running back room is really good, and I think defensively they're going to be more physical than they were last year. But Napier likes to run the ball. Um, and he certainly has the runners to do that. I'm not sure the offensive line is all that good. And, yeah, he's only in year two, but I think, again, he's sort of, I think the temperature is about 75 degrees. Okay. There's a teeny bit of heat on him. Uh, and at Florida, they, were, they had a losing record last year going six and seven. If they go six and seven again, which is possible considering their schedule, it's a difficult one. They open mm-hmm. at Utah. They obviously also play Georgia and Tennessee. They play LSU. Um, they play Florida State. So they, they, they do have a tough schedule. And if they have a losing record again, uh, there's going to be a massive amount of heat on Napier going into 2024. So I'm guessing you said Saban was 70 degrees, so that means it's cool, calm, collected. Yes. 75, you may be sweating just a little bit. You don't want to get to what, 80? 80 You don't want to get to right? 80. If you get to 80, in the summertime, it means your AC is broken, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Kirby Smart, back-to-back national championships. He's got to take a little bit of a dip, right? I mean, they can't be – they can't do it like they did again, can they? I, I, that's interesting. Um, you know, for all the brickbats that were thrown at Stetson Bennett's perceived talent level, the dude won back-to-back national titles. He and sure he played did. well last year. Georgia was fifth in the nation in yards per play. Um, they're going to miss Stetson Bennett. And if you had told Georgia fans three years ago, we're going to miss, you're going to miss Stetson Bennett, why are we going to miss him? Because he's got a good GPA, he brings the GPA up. Um, it's, he, he's going to be missed. The receiving core, um, they got two transfers. We'll see if both of them play because obviously Ra Ra Thomas has had some uh, legal issues. The offensive line is going to be fine. The running back group is fine. Brock Bowers is the best tight end in the country. Um, the defense is going to be well coached and has a ton of talent. Uh, mm. And the schedule, my God, the, the toughest yeah. non-conference game is Georgia Tech. Mm. Um, the toughest in-season game is Tennessee, and they don't play them until November 18th. Right. So uh, I will be shocked if Georgia loses a game in the regular season. I will be shocked yeah. if Georgia – has a loss when they play in the SEC title game because barring a complete meltdown, they are in the SEC title game. 
Mike Hugan and On3.com. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. We'll go through the rest. Who's, who's temperatures up to number 80? Can you guess? And, man, what does Mississippi State do? How different will they be, if at all, after this timeout? This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Brought to you by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches. By the Louisiana Lottery, man, you can't win until you start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon, they've got a true soul food deli inside. Best cheeseburger you'll ever taste. And by Cajun Chef. It's crawfish season. Turn up the taste of your crawfish with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Mmm, so good. Download the free game mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 36 minutes after the hour on this hump day with Huguenin, February the 8th. We continue with uh, uh, Mike from on3.com. We've been talking about SEC coaches and the thermostat in the room. Um, Nick Saban's clear as a bell. Kirby Smart's clear as a bell. Let's head to the Commonwealth of Lexington, Kentucky. What do you? What's the, what's the room temperature for Mark Stoops these days? Uh, I still think it's around 72 or 73. I think he's... Mm-hmm. In 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 good shape because it, it, the expectations there have become, I think, a little bit ridiculous considering Kentucky's football history. But that recent football history makes the expectations somewhat realistic because he has done a phenomenal job making Kentucky relevant uh, within the league. And if you're relevant within the SEC, you're certainly relevant nationally. It will be interesting to see that the new quarterback and the new offensive coordinator, the, the, the new offensive coordinator obviously was there in 2021. He left Liam Cohen and then came back. Um, and he has Devin Leary as, as the new quarterback. The, the receiving core has got the young kid, Barry and Brown. Um, the offensive line needs a, total revitalization because it was a bad unit last year. Not sure who the lead back's going to be. Maybe it's Ray Davis, the Vanderbilt transfer. Defensively, mm-hmm. they're always going to be at least solid, but the the season to me depends on how good Devin Larry is. Larry in 2021 was excellent at NC State, 35 TDs, 5 picks. Um, only played half the season last year because of an injury. Before he got hurt, he wasn't playing all that well. He does not have a strong arm to begin with, and he had shoulder surgery. So uh, that's something to watch. But, again, I, 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 you know, Kentucky fans, when they get mad at Mark Stoops, I think it's sort of only half-hearted um, because if you want to see a Kentucky fan mad, talk to him about last night's basketball game, and yeah. you'll see the, the true passion. And there's never going to be <laughs> that right. true passion. Uh, when it comes to, oh, I dislike Mark Stoops. No, that's, that's right. never going to if, if Stoops at 72, Brian Kelly's got to be at 70. I, yeah, I think Brian he's going to be the fine. favorite. I think that, um, again, Freeze is 
first year, so the pressure's not on him. Obviously, Jimbo Fisher, it's 80 and bumping up against 81 because if they go 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, I don't care what the buyout is, I think they're going to buy him out. Um, the interesting thing is what happens if they go 8-4, because I think 9-3 or above, he's fine. But he brings in Bobby Petrino as his offensive coordinator. Wow, that's going to be um, an interesting storyline all year. Um, I don't think of those two guys having the same offensive philosophies. Um, I, 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 let me change that. Both, I think both would say yeah, you've you got to score to win. And I think that's the only offensive philosophy they would agree on. So it's going to be interesting to see how much Fisher actually lets Petrino be in charge of the offense. Um, Connor Wigman is seen as the sort of quarterback savior. Uh, let's see if that happens. Um, the receiving core, a nice Smith coming back. That's good as long as he's healthy. Um, the running back situation is interesting. There certainly is a boatload of talent in the defensive front seven. I think the secondary is going to be adequate. But Jimbo Fisher's career at Texas A&M hinges on what Bobby Petrino can do with the offense. Mm, Michael Hugan, I'm curious, um, after the tragic loss of Mike Leach, Zach Arnett uh, was named Mississippi State's 35th head football coach. How different is Mississippi State going to be with Arnett in charge? Yeah, I think a lot different. And I think he's the only first-year coach in the entire nation who immediately could be feeling massive heat because Mm -hmm. I think think some people, you know, the coach dies uh, and they just – Promoted from within. I think you could make the case that you know there's a new there was a new AD. Uh, maybe they they went the easy way out. So I think there's going to be a ton of pressure on Zach Arnett um, if they go three and nine or four and eight. I can see him getting fired um, because I think the situation is uh, not normal, man. That that you know yeah. this is sort of uncharted territory, yeah, coach dying. Yeah. So it's happened before. Terry Hepner, Randy Walker, Bo Ryan. Um, but it's, 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 uh, yeah, I, you sort of feel for the Mississippi State players. They had another kid leave earlier this week. The leading, because Ra Ra Thomas left, this guy was the leading returning receiver. He's gone right. now, too. There's going to be an offensive change. Um, and Leach, I think, because of his personality, if you looked at Mississippi State, you're, you're, it's almost like your eye was immediately on Leach and everything was Leach's yes. way. And he was fine with that. And I think players, I think a lot of players like that because all the attention is on the coach. And when you mess up, no one talks about you. They talk about the coach. So yeah. that's going to change. So that's going to be a very – it's like they're walking on eggshells, I think. Now, the conversely, mm-hmm. maybe Zach Carnett is the greatest coach in the history of football, and they're going to go 9-3 and three this year, and that's, that's cool too. But I do think he is the rare first-year coach that immediately faces potential hot seat early on. Yeah, Mike Hugan at On3.com. Three years from now, I don't think Georgia's going anywhere. They've, they've got a machine built there. But three years from now, who's going to be the team that's 
second to Georgia on a consistent basis. Is it going to be, and he seems to have everything going his way, is it Shane Beamer at South Carolina? No, no, If Saban's still at Alabama, it's going to be Alabama. No, 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 I'm talking about in the East. LSU's going to be there. You know, Shane Beamer, um, their recruiting is interesting. They got Nicholas Harbor, the five-star. They have the number one offensive tackle in the country in 2024 committed. He is a South Carolina native. Um, Beamer does solid work, respectable work in the portal. Um, but, you know, they, they closed the season last year. They crushed Tennessee. They beat Clemson, and they lost to Notre Dame in the bowl game with a close one. This is yeah. also a team that got its doors blown in by Florida, for God's sake. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I still am not 100% convinced that Shane Beamer is the next Spurrier, as some people are calling him there, because Spurrier yeah. obviously had a bunch of winning seasons in a row. But also, he has not been the – there were a lot of folks out there who were like, why is South Carolina hiring a guy who's never even been a coordinator? And I think those people have been quieted because he took them to – back-to-back bowl games, and the team he took over was atrocious. But um, uh, uh, let's get – if South if, – if Florida gets back to what it should be, if Tennessee continues on this path and Georgia mm-hmm. stays where it is, South Carolina is no better than fourth in the East on an annual gotcha. basis. Gotcha. Okay. You think Florida can? You think Napier will? I don't know if Napier will, but I think he has changed enough of the infrastructure – um, to put things on the path where they should be. I think Mullen let the, you know, I, I talk a lot in your show about use house analogies. I think Mullen's house was really fancy, but then people went in and realized, oh my God, the plumbing, you gotta, we've got to replace the pipes. Yeah. Uh, the roof needs to be replaced. The pool needs to be resurfaced. Um, good Lord, the landscaping looks horrendous. Um, why is there linoleum in the kitchen? So I think Napier's come in and changed all those things around. Um, we'll see. You know, I said earlier, I don't know how good they're going to be this year, which makes 2024 a gigantic year. But I tend to think that maybe he's sort of like the Ron Zook. Um, because Ron Zook recruited like a madman, changed some things infrastructure-wise, even though Spurrier had it going well, and then Zook couldn't win, and then the next guy was Urban Meyer, and they won two titles in three years. So I'm not saying that's how good Ford is going to be, but I think Napier knows what he's doing, um, and the recruiting, he's making a bigger emphasis on the state of Florida, which for some God knows what reason, Florida coaches in the past decade have not done. And same thing happened to Florida State. Same thing happened to Miami. And you're like, what are you guys thinking? This is the state that produces 300 Division I players a year. If you sign 20 of the top 150, that's pretty good players. So, um, and again, I think that's what – what Napier's thinking. Still not sure what Norvell's thinking um, because he doesn't seem to put a huge priority on in-state recruiting. So, yeah. But he does a great job in the portal. And he's got a big season, probably top 10 team. But I think Florida, um, I, I long-term, Florida's always going to be in a better place in South Carolina. Yeah. Florida State just extended uh, Norvell, Norvell after yeah, that 10-win uh, season. Yeah. Um, I saw a report where 
talks between Texas, Oklahoma, and the Big 12 have ceased. They don't exist anymore. Is this all just uh, political posturing? Um, don't those two schools have to get into the SEC by 2024 realistically? I don't think so. I think the financial aspects are genuine. What I think everybody had been told, though, yes, there are legitimate financial concerns, but it's going to get done. But I think that when you look, you're talking about Oklahoma and Texas paying a penalty to leave early. You're talking about the Big 12 having to refund Fox some money because the Big 12's two biggest TV draws are leaving, and then you would be then you you have the SEC telling ESPN, well, we need more money from you in 2024 because we're going to have Texas and Oklahoma. So that's three moving parts, and I don't think that obviously all three weren't aligned. So um, the Big 12 obviously is playing with 14 teams this year. Um, they showed it can be done. So I think they'll be doing that again in 2024, and then Oklahoma and Texas move to the SEC in 2025. And maybe in July of 2025, the SEC tells us what their scheduling format's going to be. Because that's <laughs> yeah, what you, know, right. you, you sort of wonder if deep down, Sankey and all the SEC people are like chuckling. We still don't have to tell people what our scheduling format's going to be. And they're like rubbing their hands together in glee. We don't have to tell anybody. Um, but that's the one thing I think that, is, is the mystifying aspect of this. What's the SEC schedule going to be like? And we're going to have to wait a while longer because I think the financial constraints are legit, and I don't think anybody wants to budge uh, in terms mm-hmm. of letting Oklahoma and Texas leave early. We shall see. Give me your uh, completely change the subject. We're going to start talking hoops, I promise you. LSU's so bad, I, I just hate talking college hoops. But who's your final four today? Next week we'll ask you again. Who's your well, final you know, four? I, I, I still, I still don't. I, I know Alabama and Tennessee are really good. Uh, I, I don't think either one's making the final four. Uh, I, I'm going to chicken. I'm going to say one team from the Big East, um, one from the Big Twelve. I think Purdue's going to be there finally. You know, I swore off Matt Painter after they lost to St. Peter's yep. last year, but my God, the yep. guy's got a better team this year. Yeah, and the wild card team, I'm not sure. I like when I watch UCLA, I really like them. But then I'm like, you know, how good is this league outside of them in Arizona? And I have to say the same thing about Arizona. How good is mm-hmm. this league without, you know, without beyond Arizona and UCLA? The Big 12 is, is really good, and maybe the Big 12 gets two. But um, I, I'm, I think there's going to be a Big East team there. Uh, right, I so think Purdue's going to be there. At Purdue, least one and then there's a whole bunch of other teams sure that have the a other. chance. I don't think an SEC team's going to be there, and okay. no way an ACC team's going to be there. The ACC is the one that, you know, I know people were dumping on the ACC last year, and then North Carolina makes that miraculous run to the Final Four. Uh, you look at the ACC on a nightly basis, you know, like, do they even have, a, do they even have an Elite Eight team this year? And I don't think they do. All right. We shall see. We'll continue the conversation. Mike, have a great week. Thank you so much. Always enjoy it, man. Thanks. You're the best. We'll be back to wrap things up here on the Jordy Holtberg Show. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. This Friday, you can get two $20 vouchers to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for only $20. That's $40 in vouchers, and you will get it for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com this Friday to get two $20 vouchers to Dickie's Barbecue Pit for only $20. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 54 minutes after the hour. Fun, fun show today. Blake Lavelle gave us a preview. LSU versus Mississippi State. 8 o'clock tip tonight. Um, it's going to be tough for LSU. Trying to snap a 10-game losing streak, but, man, going to be going to be tough. Jeremiah Holloway with a preview of LSU versus South Carolina in women hoops on Super Bowl Sunday. Chris Roseverglue. If you see Derek Carr walking around the streets of New Orleans, give him a honk, say, we want you. Uh, and then Mike Huguenin from On3.com with all the latest uh, uh, in, in the Southeastern Conference. Um, the hottest of hot seats is Jimbo Fisher. And Zach Arnett, believe it or not, hadn't, uh, hadn't coached a, a game yet at Mississippi State, but Mike feels like uh, he will be certainly under the microscope as well. So spring practice coming up in a month somewhere, somehow, maybe later. I don't know. We'll find out from LSU uh, down the road. So um, tomorrow we'll look back on the LSU basketball game. Uh, we'll take a look ahead to the Pels as they host the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll get Frank Schwab on from Yahoo Sports, get his Super Bowl prediction, and we'll find out uh, how things went with Derek Carr and the Saints. So all that and much, much more coming your way. Um, so, again, uh, weather's turning my daughter's happy volleyball. Well, she's not happy. She's upset. Volleyball practice got canceled um, because of the weather. So so y'all be careful and be safe out there. Yes. High school basketball season's coming to a close. And then the playoffs will begin next week for the girls. So we're interesting about that. One one last night. Yes. Big win last night for St. Joseph's over Central. Um, and proud dad. Daughter led the way with 15. And about six assists and about eight rebounds. Not bad for a point guard. Not bad at all. A lot of fun. Um, James Mesh, thank you for all you do. I appreciate it very, very much. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do, whether it be the radio on 103.7 FM, 104.1 FM in Lake Charles, whether it be on the internet, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, whether you watch us on television as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber in Acadiana. Hey, we appreciate it. Today's your birthday, February 8th. Happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with. He's back after hitting 12 threes the other day. Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors is 33 years old. Uh, I hope you come back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Uh, until then, I am Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh next.